Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to... Oh, here it is. Drum roll, please. The first episode of season four? Season four. We're here. We're yes. here. We in it. And Vince, hold on. A bit of play for you for a second. Four times four is what, Vince? Oh, wait. That's 16. Now, That's definitely 16. Now, add either a one in front of that 16 or just add 100 to it. What do we got? Oh, that's the episode number. We're on 116, 116 episodes. By the way, that number number is, is a bit baffling. Um, very Truly. high. Yeah, uh, I know. Maybe I'm we, so excited, Grant. Should we, should we delete the first couple of seasons and just like go back? I would, I would feel more comfortable. Oh, yeah, we're and less back to 64 mode. now. We're on 64. <laughs> that sounds better. Yeah, we are in episode, uh, excuse me, season four of the uh, podcast. Oh, boy. About time to hang up the boots. <laughs> <laughs> as probably as our as our listeners would agree, perhaps uh, no. contradictory to the episode title as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do have a great deal of enthusiasm for this season. I think we've got tons of great guests. We've got an interesting setup. The you on the coast, and then me still here in Minneapolis. Uh, I feel like we're gonna have a ton of Los Angelinos on the podcast. Oh, hopefully, so, just- hopefully some drama that's created by us being insecure and not in the same place. Yep, that's what I'm aiming for, at least. Uh, and to kind of kick things off in an appropriate way, for episode 116, we talked about momentum in a hostful episode. And Vince, I got to say, it was quite hostful. There were two hosts, that's you and exactly me. Exactly, so many hosts. <laughs> and, and those are always such a treat for us. Um, maybe selfishly, I, I can't speak to the value for the listener always, but <laughs> I just I just know we're able to kind of dig in deeper and we know each other so well now. Um, and of course, we still learn a, a ton about each other and, and evolve that, but we've been pretty intimate for a few years now in a really unique kind of dynamic and um, relationship. Uh, that I don't. I mean, there are not many people living who have this kind of dynamic. Just kind of by <laughs> by the nature of of doing four seasons of or three plus uh, seasons of podcasting together, and so that's very I special and cool. More. Yeah, 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 really great. And actually, a lot of times we get into these vulnerable topics, and I wouldn't say that momentum wasn't a vulnerable topic, but it was such a positive topic. Mm-hmm. It was just a really fun, upbeat conversation, and it, it was a great kickoff to the season. I think. Oh, absolutely, and. Uh, Speaking of momentum, Vin, I think this might be, and uh, I'll be happily fact-checked on this, but I think momentum is actually uh, a template on Squarespace. <laughs> really? I know for sure that yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah uh, and Squarespace is the this season's uh, first episode sponsor. Thank you to Squarespace. They've been very supportive of our project for two-plus years now, which is pretty cool. And uh, it's it's really cool, too, because I love their product, and... We have been using it for for literally years now in a bunch of different contexts. You know, with clients, I've used it. I actually just created uh, not too long ago, kind of at the end of the year, uh, a website for for a collaborator client. I I believe it's storyboardist.com. That was built on Squarespace. And uh, we were able to do it very quickly and and really just make it look beautiful so fast um, with a little bit of uh, tweaking. And so uh, thank you to Squarespace. I mean, that, that product is really the best way to make a beautiful website. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Thank you for your support, Squarespace. And uh, if you guys want, uh, use the offer code 10,000hours. That's one, zero, 
Well, one zero. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, this is still around in season four. I'm Back glad. at it, baby. There's four zeros. Routines. There's one one. Yeah, we fall into these patinas, into these lanes that we've created. <laughs> oh God, help us! And uh, and Squarespace, help us. Thank you for your help. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Squarespace, <laughs> and thank you, listeners who have been with us for 15 minutes here, listening to the intro, and those who have been with us for three seasons. Uh, your support really makes it all worth it. Hope you enjoy the first episode of season four and every episode after. It's episode 116, Momentum. Well, that was like a, that was an answer that was like so much more positive and thorough than I expected. Not that I should be yeah, surprised yeah, given okay. that it's you, but like I feel good that I feel good that Thank you. Thank you, man. God damn, Vin! I've had this like burning question. You know how people say like, uh, "Don't let that burn a hole in your pocket." You, are you familiar with the term? Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard that. I've heard that phrase. Like when you gotta spend money, when you have money to spend. Yeah, yeah. Like or you do, you just do spend it, and it's like the money's burning a hole in your pocket. I have this question that's like burning a hole in maybe my stomach lining. It's sort of an ulcer. Ooh, <laughs> yikes! Acid know. reflux. Acid reflux, indeed. Um, that hot, hot breath. <sighs> what a way to start! What a way to start season four. Oh, uh, what a treat! <laughs> what an opportunity! What a what an honor it is to be here with you, Vinny, Vinny, my boy. Yes. Yeah, so that question, as uh, as we start most shows, I ask you a question, and that question today, I was going to say, and every day, but it's, that wouldn't even be applicable. We don't record every day, and every episode. That question, this That's episode, right. and every episode, Vince. At least thus far. Who knows? Maybe we'll change the format. Probably not. You know, now would be the time to do it, but we haven't planned it, so... Shit. Okay, well, I'll just ask it then. Vinny, Vince, Mr. Kochi, what, yes. what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Grant, I'm glad you asked. Uh, first of all, it's great to be back. It's great to talk to you again. I mean, we have been talking with some frequency, as we do, but sure. now you're now you're over there, and I'm over here, yeah. and it just it always restores my my heart and soul to speak to you in whatever means we do, I and do. that's why I'm excited for today's hostful. Uh, we were busy-ish. This is sort of backtracking. I won't date the show. I'll actually deftly avoid it. But there was a lot of work that went into wrapping up season three and now starting season four. Uh, but beyond that, I'm, you know, doing some work at work, doing some work freelance, and to give a shout out to something fun that I've been doing recently, hmm. uh, I'm the captain of our agency bowling team. Amazing! So it's a- been so much fun. Yeah, we kicked off the season recently, so that's a bio worthy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm actually also one of the worst bowlers on the team. Oh. So. Wow, you know what? Those well, who can't I, do lead, isn't that what they say? Uh, or teach, right? Or mm, I feel like that's not fair to teachers. Well, I know it's not, but the term has never been <laughs> fair. Uh, wh- what? Uh, how? How did you become captain? What qualified you um, for, well, for said captaincy? So, so I actually bowled on the Campbell Methune team for two years. Sure, an agency uh, back in the day. 
yeah. Rest in peace, right? An ex agency. Yeah, okay. yeah, rest, rest in pieces. Rest in pieces, Cam Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I tried to get it started at Yamamoto for a long time, but there was a wait list. So for like three years, we couldn't get on the list. Then like, last to year. Join the league? Like an advertising yeah, to join the league. league. Yep. Yeah, okay. It's wow. Ad League Bowling. And then finally last year, I we got in and the agency sponsored us. And now there we go. I was co captain last year and I'm just captain this wow, year. Wow. Congratulations, Ben. Thanks, thanks, man. It's lots of fun. Yeah, wow. I would. Lo- I really want to uh, challenge our editor to drop in some like cheering there, but maybe I won't. But maybe I will. Just do that song from the Big Lebowski. What is the song? I don't know how it goes. Um, I-, I hope someone's screaming at their phone right now, like because <laughs> they know the song. Uh, yeah, we'll show notes it. Okay. Uh, Grant, what have you been putting your time into recently? What are you working on? Vince, my friend. Uh, besides the show, been doing a bunch of death to stock work as uh, as I have been doing. Uh, been shooting, shooting some fun photo stuff. Actually, some cool like paid like uh, campaigny kind of artist uh, stuff that I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, and then just wrapping up some some of those lingering projects. Uh, man, you have some lingerers. I got some lingerers. The the video projects. If um, if you miss your window, uh, I feel like they can they have a, a tendency to to really just hang around. Did you purposely have this happen in your life to set up the topic at hand? Ah, I mean, you know, it, it's less conscious. It's more just like um, you know, some people are savants. They're they're geniuses, geni- <laughs> genius eye. I, I I don't think I am on a conscious level, but I, I will say. Um, subconsciously or unconsciously, I'm not sure there. Uh, subconsciously, uh, my body is just sort of acting. My brain is like sending these little signals without really telling me what's going on. And uh, yes, I do think it so was. So it is purposeful. with all great creative people, right? True, all great artists. True, true. There's a level of automation oh, yes. to their art. Oh yes, and I'm um, abs- <laughs> and I absolutely want to. I want to be very clear. I, I am among the greats. Uh, please include me on that on that list. Yeah, I deserve to be there, Vince. BuzzFeed for your next <sighs> next listicle. Ten great artists that you never heard of. God damn it! <laughs> Wait, but people have heard of you, right? No, I don't know, man. I, that's, <laughs> that's a nightmare. <laughs> We're spiraling. Uh, well, but you bring up a good point. A point about a project, and it's got sort of um, I don't want to say a shelf life. That's not exactly it, or a lifespan. Mm. But it's got a sweet spot where. Yeah. Things are clipping along, and there's a golden opportunity to be hyper productive on it. And everyone's like invested in the project. There's no snags and hangups yet, or what snags and hangups you hit are being blown through. But like you said, should you miss it, it can stagnate a bit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, this is like that's stressing me out. <laughs> Not actually, but. But yeah, it's uh, if you miss the window, it's um, man. Especially I, I think for a lot of the work I've been doing uh, over the years in multiple disciplines and trying to like keep uh, different plates spinning, um, you drop one or you miss one, it just starts to cascade, and uh, you can <laughs> you can find yourself in a tough situation. I mean, it's a big puzzle. It's a big puzzle. Just trying to put the pieces together. A game together. of Tetris, right? Yeah, yeah. Tetris. And I like that, if, yeah. and just like in Tetris, if you have like the one big slot for the for the four stacked vertical piece, 
and then like instead one of the like the other pieces gets in the way it starts a cascading effect Oof. that's almost irrecoverable all right metaphors aside yep and that was a great we're one. talking about hey thank you uh i played a lot of tetris in my youth we're talking about momentum today and fitting a fitting topic i think for the first episode of season four which by the way, if I haven't mentioned already, very excited to be back at it. Yeah. I feel like we have a lot of momentum, something that I'm sure we'll get to over the course of the episode. But this project is working on now its fourth year, which is sort of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. It's been a joy to work on the entire time, and I feel like we're, we're in a better spot than we ever have been. But keeping the momentum up in this project and in all projects is not always a simple task, right? Oh, Certainly not, Vince. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's an ebb and flow. Side note, um, and and this, this is such a practical example of momentum or uh, destruction of momentum. Wherein I will say, uh, the Tetris movie is phenomenal. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, there's like a movie about the world <laughs> world class Tetris players. And it's, oh no! I've seen this. I've yes. seen this. And then they play the screen like yeah. there's like a fail screen at the end that you play through. Yeah, if like you're kill like a screen. Super high yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill screen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's it's, actually super good. Yeah, we'll show notes that because it, it's a really worthy watch. But um, honestly, right there is an example of of a thing that, well, especially as a as like a sort of ADD kind of OCD combination person, um, not getting distracted. <laughs> by all of the things that you see it is maybe one of the biggest uh biggest uh, efforts for me i think and and it's so, so related to momentum um it uh, can be so distraction tempting. is yeah oh it's huge i feel like i feel like 90 percent of momentum is keeping the ship steered in the dir- right direction right focus oh gosh yeah sorry this is a, <laughs> such a such a fascinating topic for me i'm just like there are so many elements to this. I, I, I've, I've put a lot of things in terms of directing, but um, that, that's actually maybe that's actually maybe easier. Okay, so I, I've talked a lot about directing and and the idea of being on set. Um, and so the day of, let's say the directing, like a commercial, a video, whatever. The day of, it's actually pretty easy to stay to keep momentum. Well, generally, generally pretty easy to keep momentum because you've got this looming deadline or this like this idea that you're you've all showed up to perform and we're all there and we're doing it now and so i actually think that kind of greases everyone it adds a a bit of lubrication but one of the one of the more challenging things is keeping momentum or creating momentum uh when you're not uh in that performative kind of safe space when the when there's when it's like a a bigger challenge a bigger hill to climb it's smaller steps it's that kind of like day by day momentum Oh my God. I mean, this, speaking of momentum, this topic is already like a runaway train down a hill for different like things to talk about, because I think a lot of this also has to do with the inundation of scope. Like when, when a project is too sprawling and too daunting and there's no, there's no weak point to attack the rind of the project, uh, a lot of floundering can ensue. I think this has a lot to do with procrastination mm-hmm. and how many of us, myself included, work so much better when we have a strict deadline that we're facing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sort of motivation of a fail state uh, it has a lot to do with momentum too, I think. Because when 
you have to set your own very wide reaching sort of time budget. It's not always the easiest thing to do, especially to someone who's prone to distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a, uh, I mean, we, we talked about this, especially the first two seasons, this idea of uh, someone treading water. And I think some people who listen to this um, are maybe looking for a little bit of direction. And that is such a, a classic situation to be in, which is, um, I know I want something in this direction, kind of, but the the biggest killer of momentum is not knowing what step one is or what direction you take the first little paddle in. And isn't that like often motivated by fear, a fear of wasting time and effort? Like, let's say I go down the wrong path and now I've cost myself valuable time in, in a very real sense, like months or years, or in a, in a less real sense, like effort, energy, thought process. But the, the, the catch 22 is the longer you spend worrying about it in the upfront and trying to figure out that perfect first breaststroke, that's also a time vortex that's killing momentum. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just, th- these, these images are running through my head of like the end of a project and the start of a project. And there's, there's a really funny balance there too, where it's like ha- setting expectations up front can be so helpful because it can give you some guardrails and some any any direction, you know, but um, but it can also be limiting and it can it can prevent you from getting where you want to go or where you could go. Mm, man, I I guess <laughs> mo- mo- most times it really just ends up like it, I guess it kind of comes down to motivation. Um, I, now I'm just thinking a bit about people people you work with or people you interact with and like, are they, are they people who keep momentum going? Are they people who will push it further? A a lot of uh, relationship stuff for me is like a game of heightening. I think we've spoken about this before. It's not, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a a classic. I don't think it's like a a grant grant only thing, but it's something that's very like central to the way that you interact with people and and the way that you like make new homies is by like identifying someone who can also escalate along with you. Yeah, totally. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a, a dark seeming game because it's, it's a weird game of chicken. <laughs> it's like a weird game of chicken kind of, it's like there's some ego uh, tied up in that. It's just like po- uh, it's you know, pushing I, each I, other. I, I never got that. <laughs> I never got the dark side of it though. Yeah, I yeah. can see where yeah. that would come in, but it's, it's very much that, uh, that idea of echolocation. You're trying yeah. to see if you can speak the same language as someone you're sending out tests to see if they understand your language and they're sending back yeses or nos. Yeah. You know what? Okay, here, here's what I'm thinking. If we're just kind of talking about projects, which uh, so much of our stuff is, and I, I mean, I feel like my, a lot of my life it just revolves around projects, um, and maybe that's even the way I like, and I've gotten better at it, but maybe the way I like just think of everything, you know, like a relationship is kind of a project to me. But but I, I guess it's also in the same way I say project, I think it's like it's like a work of art, you know, Not and I'm not trying to be too grandiose, but it's like, it's um it's a thing that you're creating and so I'm like oh that's special that's like a project um you know because you put in time you put in energy and then and then that, sure. you cultivate that so um I'm just thinking like with projects 
the biggest one of the biggest things that it seems like uh, stops them from getting off to a good start is not having a clear direction. And and a lot of times I think that's because people go too shallow or there isn't like a clear voice or a clear like leader on a thing. There, there's no ownership. You know, that's that's one thing I've, I've realized even with like death to stock stuff is having someone on the line, having uh, someone on the hook. That's a very Seth Godin type thing. And he, he said that a lot it is like being on the hook for something that'll motivate you. I mean, it's a little potentially a little bit stress driven, but you know, really having to like stand up for something and have it like represent you in some way is one of the biggest motivators. And one of the, one of the biggest uh, or easiest or strongest ways to get a strong uh, or a powerful beginning direction. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> there's a lot baked in there. It is. Uh, I think it's important not to, to know that stress based motivation is not always a bad thing. Yeah. And that's not me advocating for like task masterdom or like, some sort of like meat grindery atmosphere, but accountability Mm -hmm. can be a very rewarding way to apply a form of stress to something that needs to be accomplished. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what you're talking about, like a deadline. Yeah. For, for instance, I can't tell you how many times that I have had projects uh, and this is not a Yamamoto thing. This is like an everyone everywhere thing everyone is like waiting for someone else to do something. And there's always like some reason that something's not being done at the moment. And there's like a spiral of inactivity. Ah, so anti-momentum. So, so when you say that, all I, what I think about is leadership and, uh, it's, I think some of the best leaders are just like momentum masters or momentum instigators. Right. Oh, it is, I would say it's inarguably a quality of a great leader. The ability to force a first step close to the right direction. And if we have to course correct later, at least there's some inertia behind the boulder, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we, again, getting back to the swimming analogy, we've talked about it probably, probably 65 times. <laughs> the idea that w- start swimming in any direction and it'll be easier to get anywhere than just That's spinning, right. spinning in circles and treading water. That's right. But there, there's always a fear. And I even experience it myself. Like sometimes I've had to like write stuff that gets completely thrown out mm. right away. Not even, not even because of the client. And you know, that doesn't feel good. It's yeah. not a feel good moment to like spend a day doing something and have it thrown out. But, Ooh. but I've I've come to terms with the fact that that is an unavoidable part of keeping the the bloated crazy insane machine that is an advertising agency moving it is calculated inefficiency yeah. because we got to start somewhere we have to make progress and eventually it works out for the best yeah i mean boil that back to to even just an individual creative person or an individual who's trying to do stuff. And they're just, I guess, I guess a lot of it is, um, just getting comfortable with investing and making bets and just like doing the work and not knowing what the results will be necessarily. And then over time, hopefully sharpening that sword and being more efficient. But I, I do think that's a huge blocker for a lot of people is just like 
overthinking, overthinking, but then also overthinking the like the return on investment or the like direction or like excuse making or undercutting and uh, a lot of momentum and a lot of I think well I mean a, a lot of great creative careers and great creative people are just like kind of constantly moving and um, you build that momentum by being willing to risk and and at risk I mean that's such a critical element of it because th- that's what that the fir- when a, when a leader or when someone gets the ball moving in any direction they just take a risk by like offering anything up that's right I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm glad we're starting. I feel like this conversation itself will have momentum as we carry through the process of a project. But at the beginning of a project, there someone has to go on or out on a limb, uh, either in like a, a major sense or a minor sense. But there has to be some sort of calculated move made that has uh, an element of unknown because that's simply what beginning any creative endeavor is. It's, it's breaking ground on something. Uh, yes, Breaking Ground, which is an episode we did, right? <laughs> we sure have. Pretty soon that'll be true of like any combination of words <laughs> that we utter over the course of it. But so let's move on to maybe like what I would call stage two in momentum building, which is perhaps just as daunting. You start a project, and this is more of a long, a long term view. Yeah. It's not like your, it's not like your your two week projects sort of thing. Yeah, it's the learning curve. I would call it. Mm. So like. Here's an example. I'll use it for my own my own youth when I was very very naive, like a twelve year old kid, and I wanted to be someone who drew, like an illustrator or drawist, if you will. Uh, and I hated the idea of like throwing out any work. Like you do a drawing and you just want that to be the drawing. This is of course the mind of a child, but it translates to adulthood and creativity in general where it can be daunting to know that you have to destroy a thousand ideas to get to one good idea right or you have to practice for thousands of hours to be competent at doing something you have to throw out a thousand sketches before you get an illustration Mm -hmm. and that would that would be the part of the momentum process that i would call like inertia building like making sure that the project you're pushing has sufficient weight to carry in the right direction. Mm. Ooh, there are a few things. There are a few things baked in there. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I've baked a few things. Yeah, yeah. You, you've been known to bake, Vinny, my boy. Uh, <laughs> what I, I scribbled down this as as I heard you talking, um, and actually, I think back to our second ever episode with Josh Long. And he, he oh talked, my gosh! Shout out to Josh. Yeah, he, he talked about he talked about um, sort of riding procrastination and motivation, or sort of pitting them against each other by procrastinating on one project and moving on to something else. And and maybe I'm I'm taking a little bit of a of a sidestep here um, when we think of like if you don't have momentum on this thing, stepping into a different. Uh, in a different thing, in a different lane, or or changing your perspective. I mean, that's definitely one momentum strategy or momentum b- keeping. Maybe not building momentum keeping strategy, um, but we're still a little bit further back in the process talking about that that inertia building, as you said. Which I I, I think it uh, it's a little bit of um, 
I mean, from some self-awareness and from some figuring out where your motivations are, uh, but it's a little bit of self-deception or, or maybe that's a strong <laughs> version of it. I think maybe it's, maybe it's intermediate gratification. So like when I say self-deception and when I think about this heightening that we talk about, which is really a lot of creative stuff, uh, creative work, at least for me at this stage in my career is like been, uh, this game of heightening with collaborators, this game of like pushing, like throwing it back and forth and building and building and building and building. But, um, I, I also do think a lot of that came from, uh, an ability to heighten within myself or to like trick myself into heightening. And, uh, and some of that was that, uh, that like sidestepping procrastination motivation stuff with Josh, but some of it is just like finding, like breaking it down into smaller parts and finding something to build toward in the, intermediate timeline versus the full timeline instead of a one-year project what 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 happens today what's something i and what's something i can reward myself with basically but what's a move i can make that will give me some form of gratification in the short term so that i can (laughs) over the long run build the this pyramid yeah i i mean you touch on so many good points there i think i kind of think of it as like willfully putting the blinders on Mm. which is like a dangerous sort of point of view to have especially in 2017 but i mean in a very specific way like it's the people who aren't inundated and paralyzed by the fear of like how much work there is to do because for anyone who wants to be really good at anything the amount of sheer effort and hours is is truly daunting it's not like they're they're braver than you. It's not like they're undaunted or you're even mentally more resilient than you. It's that they've learned to forget it. They've learned to forget mm. about the sheer volume in front of them. They can, they can go day to day and know that they're making progress. And it's not like be blind to the path you want to take or anything like that. It's just put it out of your mind. Yes, there's going to be a lot to do, but getting there doesn't have to be a struggle and doesn't have to be, you know, pure suffrage and, and all effort and no reward. Like you said, build in ways to feel good about the process mm. and, and don't be paralyzed by the, the sheer amount of it because I think that's something that everyone who does something creative, which means everyone in general, can, can attest to is that if you take too wide of a view, your vision is full of challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would say not only full of challenges, full of distractions. Everything, mm. everything aspires to derail you. <laughs> okay, like uh, <laughs> all, that's, I mean, that's actually very sage, though. That's true. Yeah, all things are moving in the direction of stopping you from. I mean, there's friction everywhere, and I think some of the best creative people are have have that kind of willful willful ignorance you're talking about, but just have that. Um, that that uh, ability but i i think just that desire to actually see the thing through i mean i think that that's something a motivation that will really really carry you through but they they are willing to just like focus and to let let go which i mean that's that was a big topic for me i think especially in like the first let's say three seasons <laughs> was this idea of letting go but uh if you really want to do even even on a small scale projects, I think a lot of it just is like letting go of the superfluous of the things that are trying to prove everything's trying to prevent you. It's not even, but it's not like um, it's not uh, maleficent. No, 
Malevolent. Malevolent. It's not Malevolent. There we go. I think I was confusing that with the Disney movie. The princess. Yeah, Maleficent. Yes, she is Malevolent. Uh, Yes, that's right. Okay. It's not Malevolent. It's not like all things are evil, but it's the same way that like gravity or like the natural state of friction isn't evil. It's just a physical property. And I think most things, most things, most things fight inertia, right? They fight, uh, they, they all add friction. And so I think some of the best, the very best creative people and the people who, or even best is a weird term, but the people who really ship projects, um, are just like willing to, to like rub themselves down in coconut oil and just like (laughs) (laughs) go go through the You grease, grease yourself up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, now, uh, so yeah, yeah. okay, okay. I'm gl- I'm glad that you went here, and we actually did go here a little while ago when you talked about diverting momentum, which I think is is exactly in the same vein of what I want to talk about now. Which is once you reach this midpoint, you've done a good job, you've built momentum, you've started in a direction, but like you say, the world is conspiring to distract and slow you down, not in an evil way, but just in the way that that's how the world works. Mm-hmm. How do you keep yourself greased? How do you grease yourself? And to touch briefly on the alternative momentum idea, it's the idea that as long as you're being productive, you can channel that productivity into something else to give yourself sort of a false break and then re-channel the productivity without losing any like real momentum. That's the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first, I think, skill set I think of there, and it's related to focus and it's related to some of these motivation things, but it's uh, the ability to prioritize, you know? Um, yeah. That's where I think a lot of people lose it. They lose the momentum on the thing or they, they let, you know, we started this episode talking about this, um, this window of opportunity, but they let something prevent them from, from hitting that window and then kind of everything else comes cascading down. Um, and so the, mm. the ability to, well, along with prioritization perhaps is, um, a little bit of deconstruction. And that is so related to this big timeline of project or life or whatever is where are you trying to go? Where do you think you want to be? What is this? And then breaking that down into those smaller steps. Um, and then from there, then you can prioritize. Hmm. How do you keep yourself greased? Grant, yeah. bearing in mind that, that the setup you just gave was very astute and I'm, I'm ready to learn myself, even sure. though I, I have techniques of my own, but I feel like this is something every single person who's even already good at it can improve upon. For sure. I, I do think, um, I do think there's something so like just truly helpful and motivating uh, about just deciding to be someone who finishes stuff. You know, like it, uh-huh. it, and I'm not even, oh yeah, I do think that's a good quality. I'm not even saying it's like, I, I don't, I don't mean that in like a, a plotting way, but I, I guess kind of, you know, like just people, people who decide to show up and be seen and just even just making that decision and saying, you know what, I'm willing to be seen. I'm willing to show up. I'm willing to like be vulnerable and, and do the work like that. That will kind of add a, add a special layer of grease on you from the get go. Um, but then I guess from there, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, um, finding the motivation. I mean, that's what a lot of what we're talking about is finding the motivation. And so I think there are a few things. One is, uh, one thing that has really kept me motivated has been, uh, just saying no more and staying focused because, uh, it, 
in the same way that, you know, we can get distracted by anything. I think one of the problems, someone who says they'll be seen and show up and finish stuff is they're also, they become a yes person. And I think that's a huge detractor. So I guess that's, but, but so the ability and the, uh, wherewithal to say no, uh, that'll keep you greased. Um, <laughs> but that, I, it will. It really will. One of, one of the, one of the biggest, one of the best things for me, I think Vince is having, well, there, this is kind of twofold. One is, is kind of like a, a Tour de France uh, biker is having a team around you that's w- occasionally willing to take the, take the wind and let you drift. Um, and that's kind of hand in hand with some of that heightening, but it really is like, c- do you have people you can lean on that you can um, sort of fall in line behind that are willing? Cause th- it, nobody nobody can stay in the front of the pack and and win the tour de france it just doesn't work that way and in the same way that shipping big projects doing work that you're proud of like a lot of times it's just too it's too much to be in no one is hercules no one can actually just brute force their way through every challenge that they encounter exactly so do you have a support system around you do you have people you can either confide in or get feedback from or you know just people who will will kind of help you get momentum because you know even if you're somebody who works alone a lot i think it's so easy to get stalled out and what do you do then you know where do you go and maybe that's you know inspiration sites or maybe that's why but i I do think um finding ways to be motivated and inspired is is like so helpful and and having the team of people around you I, i also think uh part of that is um i would say like shots like caffeine shots almost and <laughs> and and gratification it's like gratification sort of so for me that comes in a couple forms w- one reason i got into photography was the gratification system um behind filmmaking what especially the type of filmmaking that i want to and wanted to do which was not me necessarily shooting a lot of stuff it was more directing it was more producing and like um in that situation you i think oftentimes get less gratification and you have to fight for a lot more of your ideas that die. And so it ends up being, a, uh, especially starting out in that field, I think it ends up being a pretty, not toxic, but in just an intense path. And so finding another release, because that's what a lot of this creative stuff is. It's just pent up energy. It's stuff you really, you feel compelled to get out. You feel this energy. And so like photography for me was one way to find a little shot of inspiration by just like shooting and getting some gratification versus having to go through a three-month process, four-month, you know, whatever that might be. <laughs> and, and the podcast is another example of that. It's like Absolutely, having some yeah. consistency, having something that just sort of forces momentum and is still a safe space, but is enough to keep you, keep you going and creative and creating and talking. I could not agree more. I, I kind of had three things I wanted to touch Please. on. And, and and you've you've already set me up so perfectly for each of them. The first and most simple one is ritual is a, such ritual, a huge yes, part of this. Yes, like it's it's very much like beating down a trail through the jungle that you can travel in the future. There's always something that you can rely upon being there that will always sort of be the drift in the racetrack that allows you to pick up a little bit of speed. Mm -hmm. That's really important. And especially when you get really good at it and you button it down, like I think that we've done with the show, Mm -hmm. it's never a stress adder. The show is never adding complexity to my life, occasionally to my schedule, but never to like, it never taxes me emotionally or creatively. It always just helps me feed more creative creativity 
into my life. Mm. That's what a good ritual does for you. Secondly, I think when you were talking about having a team around you, I think that's a, that can be in a good way, a double-edged sword mm. in that you can force accountability on yourself. So I've got a really sort of like dorky anecdotal example of this that's going on right now. I'll, I'll hit you with it. I'm currently doing a very for fun. I, I don't mean to like get this into a, a conversation about insecurities or anything. Uh, a diet program, a diet and exercise yeah, program. Cool. Uh, and the first thing I did knowing myself being my closest friend for 28 years I told everybody that I know that I'm doing it Mm. on day one, which is, of course, like, we've had this conversation a dozen times. Do it or don't do it. Do you do the work first and then tell, Mm -hmm. or do you tell first and then do the work? I'm a very tell first and do the work. And it's worked like gangbusters for me because now I, I know that if I ever, you know, cheat the diet or fail a workout. I've got a girlfriend, 30 coworkers and a handful of friends who are like, Hey, I thought you were this. Oh wait, is that okay to do on this? And I'll have to confront my own failure on a very real scale. So I think if you're the person who thinks like me and maybe lacks a little bit of discipline internally, Mm -hmm. you can, you can outsource your discipline to other people. You can make other people, be accountable for you by just introducing them to the thing that you're doing. Dude. Amazing. I, that's, that's such a helpful example. That's like, so that's so helpful. I mean, the, the, the dark side or the dangerous side of that from a momentum standpoint is if you do that in a sort of self-defeating way and you let that then distract you or, um, prevent you from doing it. But, Mm. but really that starts with you knowing yourself, and we've talked about the differences between us, but like knowing that you showing up and, and, uh, and putting that intention out there will motivate you. It's like amazing. Yeah, it, it definitely is sort of a, a little bit all in, in that if you like, if you do like screw up, it starts a ne- sort of a negative feedback loop, yeah. which you need to be careful of. Mm-hmm. But as long as you, as long as you're surrounded by like cool people who understand and, you, you can leverage that to be sort of a forced support, but also there's also their natural support that gets baked into it. So it's not always a negative thing, Ooh. but, and and then the third thing is to have like a, and you, you already basically tread this path, but a creative outlet because eventually you will, you will run into a point in the process where you have enough energy to keep the momentum going, but something's holding you up like something that is out of your control is stopping progress. Even though you emotionally, spiritually, creatively are ready to make progress, you need an outlet that can, that cannot hit any sort of interference whatsoever. Mm. Like for me, this is again, a dorky anecdote example, but I have a, I have a couple of dungeons and dragons groups that I run, uh, which is perfect because if I ever hit a hang up at work, or the freelance project, or an article I'm writing, et cetera, et cetera, I can always, without any sort of feedback or judgment or interference, there is no obstacle that exists in my writing for Dungeons and Dragons. So I can always have completely ball bearings on ice smoothness of momentum transition into being creative on that sort of thing. Mm. And I think everybody needs something like that, even if it's as simple as like, I like 
coloring books. So I have a coloring book on hand for when I'm feeling creative, but the thing that I'm working on has hit some sort of mm-hmm. inadvancable wall. Man, and, and that's not so unrelated to the idea of the ritual and having like the safe space, mm. the outlet, like totally having some consistency in in any form. <laughs> you you need you need at least like one thing, but I mean probably more, but like things you can count on, especially in that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean let's not let's not like pretend we're like martyrs by being creative, <laughs> but but I do think there there is no, inherent but... risk in in a lot of creative work, quote unquote creative work, because it's like it is less known or less safe, and and so like having other safety nets in your life can um, help you be more bold. I mean, that's really, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in. And I think anybody who really aspires creatively is like, Oh yeah. Like nobody's gonna be like, Oh, boldness. No, not for me. Well, maybe, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, aspiring creative people. Yeah. They want to push it. Yeah. It's not like, woe is me create creative people. It's just that like the, the industries in extremely wild, wide, like way of speaking, it all involves putting yourself out there a bit and the vulnerability and that's something that's emotionally taxing. So being able to do that in a, in a completely safe space is, is always going to be restorative. Mm. You know, something that's really helped motivate me and that's kind of, I, I guess we just keep coming back to motivation in terms of momentum because that really will. I mean, if, if you have like a, a true, some guiding, guiding stuff, some guiding light, some guiding principle, I feel like, you can always that's maybe something you can always lean on is is um uh is that to keep you going but i i i feel like there's a couple things i mean like just like loving yourself a lot and and being so so this ties in really to like you not being too hard on yourself if you do fail if you do you know let's say you put that intention out there like you're talking about the diet stuff that like and like now you feel accountable but you're not going to let like you love yourself enough and you love the people around you to like not let it derail you if you if you do kind of fall off the wagon not in an indulgent way but like i do think there's a lot of uh no, really I mean, destructive that's super true. yeah yeah because cuz yeah cuz yeah momentum goes two ways right mm-hmm. so like you can't you can't allow the negativity to pile up and start sliding you back right yeah, you know, uh, this is a this is a weird one, but I do feel like even like food and like diet and like that is such a a topic, and that's such a like a really visceral version of this stuff um, in terms of like self love, self identity. Like it's it's related to creative work, but it's almost it's even more intense because you have to face that boulder that that challenge every you know three times a day or whatever that is. But um, I heard someone talking about this recently on, on another podcast, actually. Funny enough, it was on a, a podcast called Doughboys, uh, where they like eat out at the like, <laughs> fast food restaurants. And but it, it was kind of a it was a, a pretty fit dude, somebody who, like took health pretty seriously. And he was talking about something that like really helped him with um, some of his challenges around that. Where was that like w- just because like you had a cheat day or just because you were whatever didn't mean that you needed to like get it all in. So like sometimes when people feel like they need a che- let's I mean the diet thing is such a thing but like having a cheat day is like a classic thing but like instead of approaching that like I need to binge all of this to get my cheat in and it, it, instead just like even cheating in moderation cheat you know quote unquote I, I think that's <laughs> right. like such a helpful uh-huh. thing where it's like 
you give yourself permission to cheat, but you don't like, it's not an all or nothing thing, man. I've seen that. I've seen that fail so much, you know, like my dad trying to quit smoke, smoking cigarettes is a great example. You know, it's like, it's cold turkey all or nothing. And it just so rarely takes because, Oh my God, yeah. that that is such, that's such a good point. It's that we, we put such, I mean, sometimes we do it. Like, do, do you remember that scene in, um, in the final Batman, the newest reboot, not the newest, newest reboot, the one with Christopher Nolan, uh, the where he, he has the, he's in the pit, and they has to take the rope away for him to make the jump. Mm. You know this this idea. Yeah. I feel like that that sort of trope is true for a lot of us, and we're like, you know what? I I can't allow myself to sort of have a cigarette once a week for a couple months as a way to wean myself off it. You know, that's weak. That's a sign of weakness. That's just inviting bad habits. That's not the way to make progress. And so we sort of force this all or nothing ideology on ourselves. It's very popular. I feel it's very pervasive, but it's so destructive. It's just not the way that the human mind or body works right oh and and isn't this such a fucking example of momentum you don't okay if if your ambition is to go 100 miles an hour you literally cannot at least given current technology cannot go 100 miles an hour immediately there is (laughs) there's always a ramp there's always a learning curve there's always a speed curve there's always a gradual increase and it's actually and and so maybe this connects to something that I did want to talk about Vince um that sort of behavior something something that's really helped me stay motivated and like be willing to risk things more often um is is kind of twofold one is like a, a very Seth Seth Godin idea of generosity and not that he he invented generosity but I do find you know in our uh I, like w- so, so many of the people around that camp are like generous. They're kind. They think of generosity as this thing that is like important, but it's um uh, in the reverse, which is helpful for me is I have a lot to give and it's selfish of me to hold it back. And in that same way, if you think of someone, if you think of yourself as somebody who has a lot to give and I think we all do. Right. But I, th- I think then it becomes, um, if you're self-destructive, that's, I mean, not selfish in a bad way, but that's that's preventing you from doing good. And if you care about doing good on any level, then like do good to yourself because you know that that will. It, it, I think you know that it comes back to the self love. If you believe in your own ability to do good, I find it incredibly motivating to treat myself better because I know that will help me do more good. And so it ends up being like this like selfish selflessness. So be selfish in some regards give yourself the space to create for other people. And, and it like, I don't know that for me at least. And and I think it probably could be helpful, but for me, that's been such a helpful like way of thinking about like treating myself right. And, and in that same way, then it would be like, don't be so hard on yourself there. Be gradual. And, and you have kind of have an onus to be gradual because this is like, it's, it's like destructive to try and go a hundred miles an hour immediately. It's destructive to try and <laughs> yeah, go cold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can't just jam the pedal to the floor and expect good results. Um, well, I, I have plans for when we jump back into the topic. Love it. And I, I think it's just been 
maybe maybe this is like a momentum thing when it's just you and I doing the episode, but we stayed so on topic. It was it was really the momentum on this episode is something everyone should strive for. But it's just <laughs> to pat ourselves on the back. But to to kind of like do my version of a little bit of a wrap up. Everything you're saying, and I think everything we've said together on the on this episode is kind of boiled back down to try to capitalize on on the positivity that's going on. Like if you're feeling positive, this is your time to strike. That's your window. Yeah. Get in there. Be as productive as possible. And if something's preventing you from being productive on the thing you got to be productive on, be productive on something else. That- and the opposite, if you're feeling unproductive, try with that's that's your opportunity to push back in the other direction. Find what's positive in your life. Cut yourself slack. Put up roadblocks so you don't slide back 100%. And and understand that mitigating backslide is its own form of progress, right? Mm, uh, no, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I feel it. I can sense an OTT just kind of scratching at us. But, but for me, what we're talking about, it, it's really about being honest about what you want to happen and about what you, what, yeah, like what your intention is. And that makes it really easy to make decisions and everything else is either counterproductive or a distraction. And, and if you truly want change or if you truly want X or Y or whatever, then I think you can really just use that to guide it. And and if your intention is that and you're acting out of that intention, I, I just think everything else comes naturally. I couldn't agree more. And talk, I'm talking about acting naturally. Yeah. Oh my God. I've, we, we, <laughs> and, and not. And not. Yes, certainly. Uh, and, and this is a uh, this is very poignant. Uh, well, it's actually not poignant at all, but it's apropos. Um, <laughs> that is classic, though, for us to assign a pretty. Um, a pretty let's say grandiose or a, a, a pretty, strong a, a strong, a, a strong word. adjective for like the and then description it's not that of yeah. <laughs> yes yeah exactly um, what's a situation that that you're trying to feel natural and you think you're being natural but it turns out you're not you're not really looking or acting natural at all I've got one it's the you're a subject of a picture moment. Mm. Now, Grant, this is something I am hoping and I assuming you have good insight into because you are a photographer of subjects, of human subjects. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of your work I'm a huge fan of. Thanks. I think you're very talented. Uh, and your subjects always end up looking quite natural. Mm. Uh, but I bring this up because today I was a subject of a picture and I looked <laughs> bad in the picture despite I'm, I'm not the type of person who's like, Oh, I don't look good in pictures. Oh, I don't want you to take my picture. Oh, I'm insecure. I mean, everyone has insecurities, but I'm perfectly happy to be photographed. Mm-hmm. Yet I still end up looking bad in photographs. What do you think this is, Grant? Shed some insight. Well, <laughs> I think you're a very attractive fellow, and you and you know that. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think Thank you're you, a good Grant. looking. You're sweet. a good looking fella. So, I guess I kind of wonder. If that's just your perception of the photo, um, or if that's an actual like, uh, and not that it's I that see, quantifiable. Well, it's, it's tough to say ob- objectively, right? Sure, sure, sure. I feel like I don't, lo- I don't look comfortable in the picture. Mm-hmm. That's that. I don't. It's not that I look like wildly unattractive or yeah. objectively bad. I just don't. I feel like 
I don't look like I felt in the picture. Mm. There's a dissonance there, and I feel like it exists for for a lot of us. Yeah, the um, we could go down a rabbit hole of like artifice and of the idea of like the camera as a character. Um, but it, but it, well, maybe we should. Yeah, no, it, it is an interesting thing when you introduce a camera into the mix. It's like what is natural versus not, and and also the balance there really is like what is let's just say attractive and there is no technical objectivity there, but like, yeah, getting, you know, taking, making an attractive photo and also being an attractive subject. Uh, I mean, I work with a a ton of models and uh, you know, a lot of really good models are good at, I mean, a lot of them have kind of a natural beauty, right? That's like maybe what drives a lot of models into becoming yeah, models. Yeah, I mean, visual interest, sure. uniqueness of look, that sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously, there's some of that. Yeah, but then there's just like a, an ability to like pose or to like like know your angles. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I find myself kind of self-destructing photos of myself often you know one thing i ended up doing i think the last couple years a ton of maybe you'll recognize this but i would just like whenever someone was taking a photo of me i would literally just do the same pose because it's my way of like controlling in some regard i would always put put my hands behind my back and like there was like a a a little joke among some some of the homies there's like the grand spaniard pose not that it was you know (laughs) not you know but it it was just like i just do that all the time and Uh, i think uh i think everybody's favorite uh, hottest musician of the decade, Drake is like a, a very, a very obvious culprit of this, right? Of doing that that move. There's like a there's like a always the same pose Drake look. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't. I don't actually. I'm not that familiar with that. I feel like when I think of a Drake photo, I always just think of him fucking like cheesing. Like laughing, you know, <laughs> well, like the candid. Oh, but that's the other side of the but, corner. But yeah, right? yeah. So he leans the candid in. Shot. But he leans into. Yeah, yeah. Candid. I mean, I guess I've thought about that too. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream, right? Should should every shot be candid? Everyone would look a lot more attractive. Here's, right? here's something I will say though, Vince. And okay, so I, as a photographer, pride myself on my ability to make a good photo of subjects. A lot. I mean, most of my photos are of people, and part of that is either like a volume thing, like you know, just the quantity. But most of it's just like <laughs> finding a way to make them comfortable. Here's something I find is that being a photographer and being like hyper aware of that, if a lot of people just aren't willing to like do what is necessary as a photographer to get a good photo of the subject. And honestly, this relates back a little bit to our topic, but uh, not that much, but just when I was talking about like being uh, selfish and like, I think being a generous photographer is like being willing to be stupid or like do weird things in order to make the best image of the person from your perception. But like, you know, sometimes like my mom is the fucking worst, the worst at taking <laughs> photos of me and my sister. And my sister and I are both photographers. Like we both take photos pretty regularly and it's like so frustrating and she'll go through the same cycles and like she gets terrible results because of it. And so part of, part of it, I think being a photographer is like being willing to play the game, you know, of like, you know, like kind of tricking the system, tricking the people, like setting, setting up the environment to make a good photo. I'm I'm really <clears throat> I mean because that's that's part of the problem of why photos often taken by randoms yeah. of randoms yeah. considering myself a random in this sure. situation obviously look so bad is because no one knows what they're doing on either side of the lens right yes and hold on this is maybe a 
a time to talk about this phenomenon of like there is okay especially once you are a photographer people like want you to take photos more frequently you know like up with their fucking phone and all that stuff but like it drives me insane when people aren't I guess I've been on like vacations too and, and so maybe you'll be especially aware of this like with your family and your mom wants to get a photo uh, it's like if you want a photo and you want someone else to take a photo set them up with any any level of reasonable opportunity for success okay and don't waste <laughs> their fucking time so like if we're gonna yeah. take a photo where do we want it okay that's a decision we need to make where how are we gonna stand that's a decision we need to make like just ge- a couple of general things that like don't make that after you've engaged with the person because you can make it much <laughs> easier on them and also then you're better prepared to like be a good subject because that's definitely part of it you know <laughs> Like it's if not the most important part. Of well, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I think it's a give and take there. You know, the being a good subject. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I do find myself sometimes just like sabotaging photos of me because I think it's funny. I don't know what it is. It's like, but yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that does not surprise me. But yeah. I, I'm right there with you though. I, they're just, it's an uncomfortable thing knowing that you're going to be preserved. Mm in the moment that you're in. Mm. And that's why so many people like default to like a comfortable, goofy, reliable, whatever way that you're posing or acting. It's a way to sort of diffuse the situation. Mm -hmm. What we seek is comfort. That's why like a picture that you don't know is being taken is going to be the most attractive, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not really, not objectively in the world of photography, but I'm talking like, you know, photographing schmo. Like uh, a candid shot is gonna is gonna look best because there's comfort that you can feel in the picture. Well, what, what I would say is I would push back a little bit, and I guess if we're talking like schmo, quote unquote, there, then maybe maybe you're right. But I will say a lot of photography is a trust fall, and it's a mutual risk and mutual reward. And I guess there's like so many things, but that that to me has been the biggest. Um, uh, I mean, p- like especially working with models and working or working with people I'm photographing in general, who are then, you know, by nature, a model is like ensuring them that like making them, making them comfortable, making them know that, that my motivation is to make a good photograph of them. You know, like when they know that Uh when it's like, Oh yeah, don't worry. I'll find it. Like when they trust that, like I've kind of got like a handle on the, I'm the one really accountable and I'll, and I'll direct them or I'll guide them or I'll just find it with them. You know, but here's, here's what, here's what the problem is. A lot of times with the random on random, this is where, where it falls apart is that no one's really accountable. They're expecting you <laughs> to be right. accountable for kind of the quality of it by setting them up for success. And you're expecting them to like, because they have the camera to be accountable. That's and, right. And then yeah, we, that's we exactly just die. Right. We just die in the space. Between. There's no accountability <laughs> at all. And so the, the product is almost never good, but you know what? That's right. There's a certain aesthetic to awkwardness that is expected in in amateur off the cuff photography that I think makes all of this okay. I and I think my desire for insight was satisfied. So thank you for thank you for assuaging my insecurities during this OTT, Grant. Uh, for sure. Yeah, Grant, I would love to dive back into a discussion about momentum yeah. by sort of sort of examining as we often do on the first and last episodes of a season uh the way that our own show has has dealt with momentum and a good example i think was 
at the end of last season, though I hope that our our listeners wouldn't have even noticed, is that we ran into some like scheduling and timing issues, and we didn't have as many by a small amount of episodes, but mm-hmm. as many episodes in the season. And I think it was a, a great example of us being very realistic and saying it will be destructive if we try to stick to our normal, in quotes, amount of episodes for no reason. So trying to force momentum on the show. Instead, we did something I thought was super smart and constructive, and we coasted out, and we did a a very reasonable, given our schedules, amount of episodes, and we shipped season three with a great end-of-the-season episode, Mm -hmm. and it really turned out. So I think momentum done right for season three. And what a key word, uh, constructive. Or for me, productive, like constructive. You know that that uh, is such a guiding principle for me in a lot of this stuff I do, and and something I try to apply to. I mean, really, every conversation I have, not in an overly quantifying way, but just like, you know, what, <laughs> just being aware of like your impact on people and uh, and your intention and and what you're trying to accomplish, and like, am I being constructive or not? Especially in um, pretty fraudulent, uh, fraudulent. I'm excited. Fraudulent's a strong word. I'm excited to see what Fraudu- fraudulent. As I say, uh, cultural political times. Um, Ooh, be- yeah, well, being yeah. being productive or being constructive is is like if you come from a that. I mean, <laughs> really, that's that's t- again ties back to the photographer thing too. Though is like having having that uh, in knowing that someone's coming from a place of being constructive and being productive. It's um, I think it makes it a safer space which then allows for more risk, which then allows for more growth. Um, and and, and yeah. for us at the end of last season, it, that, that was a great example. Um, I'll, <laughs> pretty much all the time, and, and something that's challenging for me it, uh, that I think I've got a better grasp on but has been a challenge is, like, is, is getting somewhat comfortable with like failure and not like meeting the standards, especially when you, you know, I talked about like being somebody who shows up, being on the hook, be, you know, being somebody who finishes project is like, you know, giving yourself a little bit of slack there, but, um, just knowing like you create the stakes and some people like you create the stakes of your life and of the work you're doing. But I think some people take that in, in a way where it's like, well, it's up to me, like, fuck it. Like, you know, but, I, I do think there's a lot more productive, constructive, healthy, happy stuff that happens when you create stakes that um, are, you're proud of and that you're willing to aspire to and you're also willing to give yourself slack on. But, I mean, that's, I guess, kind of just like being principled. And uh, in the same way that, like, we talked about, like, binging or, like, the dieting or, like, cold turkey, it's like, be kind to yourself and, and be kind to other people and create stakes that are reasonable and, and give yourself some latitude if you're not always, you know, performing at a hundred percent. Cause that's not, that's not, you know, totally reasonable. But I do think, uh, on that same token, people could aspire to more sometimes and you could set up stakes that are maybe pushing the people around you forward and pushing yourself forward. And, there's like a lot of opportunity there, but it, again, constructive, if constructive and productive and healthy and happy is the goal, I think that can guide so much of what you're doing. <laughs> it's very, I mean, sorry, I got, yeah, I got exactly. hyped. It's just like, I just feel so no, strong. Anyway, it was the perfect, it was like a perfect, it was a perfect bow on it. You, you need to remember that 
your failure is not a, a new normal, right? It's not like it's not always the new direction you're going in. So mm-hmm. cut yourself slack mm-hmm. if you fail, because we all will fail at some point. Yeah, and and how you bounce back is like so. I mean, it's it's almost everything. It's not everything. Nothing is everything. I guess that's kind of one of the points. <laughs> yeah, nothing is everything. Yeah. That's the point. Uh, Grant, how can our listeners support us? Um. I don't know. I, I, you know, probably just like share if they listen this far, that's insane. And just sharing, uh, maybe if this episode is really impactful for them. Um, I think sharing this with someone who they think could find some value out of it. I think that would actually be generous, um, versus like anything else. And, and I, I don't really care. I, you know, we're trying to provide value. We're also getting a lot of value by just like having these conversations together. But I do think, um, sharing stuff that affects you and being um, really specific about that can be productive for other people. And so, and sometimes that's, that's a risk too. And a lot of what we're talking about is like not wanting to take a risk because there's maybe some blowback at any point, you know, (laughs) like it's the same thing, like telling someone you really like them and you know, the potential for being denied. But if this affected you share that with someone maybe not even the episode but like have a conversation with someone that that have a conversation that you're scared to have with someone that's right don't even mention us it doesn't matter just talk about momentum talk about something that matters with someone yes and and you've already you've already done you've done good by us uh well i guess on that note grant what's the one thing they should take away from this episode Mm. i guess i'll go first i think um and we mentioned this right at the start is recognize your windows like as someone who goes in very hot and cold series of productivity i find it very um helpful even when it comes down to like nitty-gritty dumb stuff like cleaning and doing laundry and exercising like if you're feeling productive that's your body telling you good things all systems go green light so do work be productive push momentum in whatever way you can when you're feeling those positive feelings because if you're human like probably everyone who's listening to the show is the the negative times will come and there will be there will be low moments and there will be anti-momentum and you'll have to deal with that so make hay while the sun shines is kind of what i would say make hay while the sun shines dude yes oh man strike strike while it's hot baby because that momentum begets momentum um something that has just like stuck with me so hard and I'm quoting Seth so much during this episode, but I guess when I get, uh, it's appropriate. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he has the, he has a quote or a quotation in his great discontent interview, which we've shown us before. Maybe we'll, we'll show notes again, but it basically, um, paraphrasing, it's something like if you're trying to do anything that hasn't been done before, um, no one's going to tell you to do it. I, I also think like we, I, I hate to remove the safety net of like the world and the systems and all the things we live in. Um, but the reality is like, no one is like going to do it for you. Like if you want to be X or if you, or if you want to like make this thing or that thing, you know, there are ways to like motivate yourself by like sharing that with others or by like creating a team or by whatever. But if that's really what you want to do and like, like you believe strongly in that and and maybe part of it is just finding a way to really believe in yourself, but you're going to have to do that. And I think a lot of that is kind of like, it's this weird form of like becoming your own parent 
you know, because especially as we grow up and, and we like hit the stages where we see our parents differently. I'm sure that's happened for you, Vince. Right. I mean, you, we, you you just, you sort of like recontextualize like your relationship with your parents or, or, you know, I mean, depending on what that was, there are so many versions of that, but like the idea of a parent is the same as the idea of a boss. And I guess what I'm saying is everyone can be a boss. Everyone can be a parent. Everyone can be a leader. And that's the opportunity. You know, it's not a, it's not, not everyone needs to be that, but um, you can be that for yourself even, you know, like Mm. you don't have to lead a, a company or a team or anything, but like lead yourself and like be, responsible to you because that's actually really exciting and really empowering for me is like oh wow cool i get to like bring grants on this cool journey by just like caring and giving a shit enough and and also loving myself enough to to like do the work that um is necessary and and a lot of that is like nobody's gonna like lay out what the preparation is like if you want that i guess a lot of that comes back to uh the results you're going for and um just knowing like there is no template for a lot of the stuff we're doing and a lot of it is just like being willing to risk it and like put in the time and the energy to like do a good job without being destructive of course but there's just like so much opportunity if you're just willing to like push yourself a little bit more well said well said control what you can control and momentum will follow. Yeah. And, and there's so many opportunities for us now, especially if we, you know, we're talking about politically and stuff, but it's just like in that same <laughs> way, right? It's just, th- there's opportunities. Just fucking go do it, man. Now's the time, Now's right? The time. Grant, and I couldn't be more excited to start the momentum of season four with you, man. What a treat. It's going to be super fun. We've got a lot, we've got a lot of cool things in store and a lot planned. Plan. Now that you're headquartered in Los uh, Angeles, there's a lot of opportunities there, for us. So thanks is, for yeah. doing the legwork. That's why you moved out there, I'm sure, to, to provide more opportunities for the show. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> as, as we discussed it, during the earlier portion of the show, it, it wasn't a conscious decision, Vince. It was my body just reacting to... Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. A drift in fate. Uh, well, Grant, let's ship this thing, ship man. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. One, two, three. Ship, ship it. it.